Good morning, and welcome to Pay It Forward's Help Yourself by Helping Others podcast. Today, our topic is yoga. I am joined today by Mitchell and Alan from Pay It Forward. I am your moderator, Sherry, and we're very happy to have today a guest presenter, Vicki Tay. Uh, Vicki, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good morning, everybody, and thank you for having me. I'm Vicki. I'm 43, 43, 45 years old. Um, I'm a mother of three and a minority female entrepreneur. I am a life coach, a yoga instructor, as well as a professional home organizer. And I'm pleased today to be here to tell you everything that I know about my experience with yoga. Well, we're so happy to have you. Uh, and you are uh, an inspiration with all of your uh, multi uh talented uh, <laughs> skills. Um, you, as your brand says, you embody a passion for being of service and uplifting the human spirit. And that's, we uh, feel very connected to you <laughs> regarding that. So our first slide is what is yoga? Um, I think it's probably defined differently by many people about uh, what they get out of it and how they practice it. What does yoga mean to you, Vicki? To me, yoga is so much more than just the westernized, watered-down version of yoga that so many people know yoga to be when they think about the subject. It's not just fancy poses. It's mm -hmm. not just Instagram yoga. It's not like, uh, how can I show off and contort my body? It's so much <laughs> more than that. So yoga means, at its core, the union of the mind, the body, and the spirit. And there is no other activity or practice that embodies and balances the three besides yoga. And so we're not just talking about yoga as a physical practice. It's not uh, just an exercise. It's not fancy stretching. It's also spirituality, uh, mental well-being, um, clearing energy blockages, it's yoga philosophy, it's incorporating the takeaways that you receive while you're practicing on your mat into daily life. That's where the real yoga begins. I love that explanation because, um, as you said, connecting the mind, body, and spirit, I do believe that is the one of the most important things that you can achieve uh, with the practice of yoga. I know for myself, I was never um, uh, really good at doing some of those more difficult poses. And that was not why I practiced yoga. I was having, um, you know, issues with my mother, and it was creating a lot of stress. She was, you know, declining in health. And I can tell you, it yoga like saved my <laughs> Saved my mentality, saved my sanity. Um, I just found the practice so enriching and it really did, um, it really helped my mental state. Um, so I would agree it's much, much more than just uh, doing a complicated pose. <laughs> 
Yes, uh, you're not alone. I've heard so many similar stories, um, not just from you, but my clients as well. And yoga also saved my life too. Yeah. Alan and Mitchell, have you ever uh, practiced yoga? Uh, I watch other people do it, uh, <laughs> but I also uh, agree with Vicky and Sherry that this is a very important part of daily ritual. I guess if you want to have a good uh, balance of health and mental and spiritual. Hmm. Actually, when I talked to uh, a functional doctor several years ago, and she said everybody should learn about yoga because mm. it's part of uh, health, especially functional health. Yeah. yeah, I think for me personally, I got started into it early when it came to playing sports, like football. Um, a lot of our stretches are <laughs> very similar, if not the same as yoga poses. Um, and of course, the breathing techniques kind of go along with it. Um, I think later on in life, once you start stretching and doing the same thing, yoga kind of helps you find center and balance uh, as it takes away from stress and kind of give you a time to focus on yourself. Absolutely. So this is a brief history of yoga. Uh, we're not going to go into a lot of detail about it. Just really the point of the slide was to say that, um, you know, it's spanned thousands of years and it's always been very uh, intertwined with cultural, spiritual and physical, uh, philosophical developments. Um, we're not really sure, you know, exact origins, but it's traced through a lot of historical periods and it's gone through various stages of adaptation. Uh, today, it's practiced in diverse ways around the world. Uh, ranging from the physical and fitness focused approaches to the more spiritual and meditative aspects. So uh, it has transitioned a lot, but it has become a very important part of, like Alan said, a life balance uh, for people. And I would encourage a lot of people to uh, give it a try. Uh, so there's so many, if my, if I may add, there's sure. so many modern day, modern day man-made inventions as far as <laughs> holistic health and wellness, health, and wellness in general, you know, um, prescription medications, it's all very modern in this blip of history. But yoga is truly an ancient practice that started thousands of years ago. And in my opinion, if, if something has existed for that long, there's got to be something to it. That's an you know excellent I mean? point. Absolutely. Right. It wouldn't have carried on through all these years if it didn't make a difference in people's lives. Yes. And um, it's holistic, just like mm -hmm. nature, just like nature, um, things that are available to us that we can go out and find right now, like that is nature's medicine as it was intended. Um, yoga, as it was really originally intended, was um to be practiced between a practitioner and a client one-to-one -one, it was a form of healing medicine and therapy um and it's holistic at its core yes and you know some people may think well oh, do you have to be religious or is it associated with religion and that is uh not the case i mean it can be it can be very spiritual whatever that means to you um it did get you know it is very closely identified with hinduism 
Um, but it is not, you know, exclusively a Hindu practice. And as Vicki said, it's a holistic practice. So it can be approached from a secular perspective. Um, it's not limited to a particular uh, religion, but it can also give you that spiritual dimension or feeling that um, maybe you're lacking. So it it's not necessarily defined by as a religion, um, but it can certainly be spiritual. Is that a good uh, overview, Vicki, would you say? In my opinion, absolutely. You definitely don't have to be a Hindu to practice yoga. And this is can actually be a, a controversial topic. I know that there are some um, people who are religious out there who refuse to practice yoga. Yes, because they think they think that it is a religious practice, but it's not. It does have its origins in Hindu and it is heavily influenced in Hinduism and refers to um, Hindu gods and goddesses. But you do not have to partake in that dogma to practice and receive the benefits of yoga. Absolutely. And that was one of the reasons I did put the slide, because I have heard that that is the case, which I was surprised, um, because even though it may have its origins in Hinduism, um, it's, you know, yoga is basically, as we've been saying, you know, physical, mental, emotional benefits that, you know, don't have to have a religious underpinning. And as Vicki said, it's a holistic practice. So it's not limited to a particular religion. So I think in some ways that is a myth or um, a falsehood that some, you know, people have perpetrated that um, is not the case. Yeah, I feel bad for the people who, because of their religion, feel like they, some people even think yoga is evil. Um, yeah. I feel bad for them because they're holding themselves back from experiencing so many of the benefits on all levels that they can receive from yoga. Absolutely. Okay. And so we'll speak to that. You know, what are some of the benefits of yoga? Um, mm. We've touched on some of them already, uh, but, you know, you can speak to these better than I can, uh, some of these than I can, Vicki. You know, we also know, you know, the physical health, how it can improve your, you know, flexibility and strength and balance. But there's also the things we talked about, mental well-being and spiritual growth and breath control. Those I can't really speak on as well as you can, uh, Vicki. Sure. So the benefits of yoga are so many to list. I mean, you could just pick one and talk all day about it and dedicate a whole podcast on each benefit. Um, but overall, uh, if you break it down to mental, physical and spiritual, uh, mentally, one of the most um, one of the things I hear the most from people is that you gain mental clarity. Why? Because the time that you spend in your session allows space for you to center yourself and ground yourself. We're all out here with such busy lives, right? Running around literally like chickens with our heads cut off. So <laughs> when we sit down on the mat, and in my sessions in particular, we always take the first few moments to ground ourselves, to balance and to reconnect with ourselves. We close down the eyes to shut out the external world, to go within and to reconnect to ourselves. And so this allows for space for our minds to settle, our thoughts to settle, our bodies to settle. 
and for our spirits to settle. And so this is one of the reasons why yoga is known for its calming and relaxation um, benefits. Yes. And as I mentioned, I mean, it helped me immensely with uh, reduction of stress and anxiety and, you know, the things I was going through to take that time for myself. Number one, number two, like you said, you know, close my eyes, clear my head, clear my body, clear my spirit and just, you know, get renewed, if you will. <laughs> Even if it was only for that one hour, it made a whole world of difference. Yes, it gets you to slow down and you literally get an opportunity to hit the reset button on all levels. Mm -hmm. So there are different types of yoga. Um, we don't necessarily have to go through all of these because um, they're all different. There's quite a few. I don't know. You have all of them listed here. Um, Hatha is a very uh, popular one. Vinyasa. Um, I'll even just jump to the next screen to show there's uh, Bikram, which is the hot yoga people have heart, probably heard about, Yin, Kudalini. Um, there's even another slide with restorative power yoga. Um, uh, Vicki, what types of yoga uh, do you address in your practice? I specialize in teaching a blend of Hatha yoga and Yin yoga. Why is that? It's because I found that the majority of my clients, past and present, lead very busy lives, juggling a lot of different hats, wearing a lot of different hats. They are a, a wife or a husband. Um, they work and have very busy careers or are running companies and are CEOs of companies. Um, they have children uh, living in the DMV. DC, Maryland, Virginia, and Northern Virginia area, everybody's really busy. Everybody is in, under a lot of stress. Everybody's anxious. And so I'm not here to add any more to anybody's plate. I don't want to add any negative stress to anybody's life. I'm here to de-stress um, and to add positive stress. And what do I mean by positive stress? Um, on a physical level, why is yoga so beneficial? Uh, because you're placing positive stress on the body, strengthening the muscles, ligaments, tendons, tissues, bones, and also on a cellular level. Um, I also teach a blend of yin and hatha for its meditative and relaxing, um, de-stressing and rejuvenating qualities. Um, Hatha and Yin emphasize so much on the breath. Hmm. Um, the breath is key in all styles of yoga, but in my sessions, I really emphasize breath. I'm constantly cueing people. I'm constantly asking, particularly in a challenging pose, are you breathing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people hold their breath that was me right <laughs> yes it, it's, it translates into life so if you're in a challenging pose a lot of times people are holding their breath and in daily life if you're going through something challenging most likely you're holding your breath or not breathing properly or breathing very shallow in your chest which is fight or flight which is the activation of your sympathetic nervous system fight or flight which causes the anxiety 
And so practicing yoga is something radically different on the other end of the pendulum so that you can come into balance. That makes perfect sense. Yes, you don't want people who are already stressed to be more stressed in a yoga practice. You want them to right. find to alleviate that stress and find ways to calm their minds and their spirit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here are just some basic poses. Um, just wanted to give folks an idea of what some of them look like. Um, I think I mentioned earlier, my favorite is the corpse pose, <laughs> which is your favorite, can... <laughs> favorite among many. <laughs> so I also in, always enjoyed doing wall yoga. That was just something I got a lot of benefit from for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> but are there the any poses that you are um, would like to mention here or should we move on? Well, uh, this slide is really um, helpful to illustrate uh, a variety of some of the most classic poses, like the original yoga poses. Um, and in a beginner friendly class um, and in my sessions, because I uh, take on a lot of beginner clients, these are the classic poses that I would definitely go over um, with in each in, um, in my sessions. Right. And as our audience can see, uh, you know, these do look fairly gentle, you know. So, uh, again, that's why we would encourage people to give it a try. Don't be intimidated by pictures you may see online or whatever with people twisted like a pretzel, uh, because this is this. These are the types of poses that you would experience in a in a beginner class. Uh, so, and uh, we just wanted to touch on a little bit about Sanskrit, only because very often in uh, a yoga class, an instructor will use the Sanskrit name for a yoga pose. And that's just due to its, you know, historical and cultural origins. Um, so that because of where it has its roots, there are terms for each pose that are in Sanskrit. But Vicki, as I think we've kind of been saying, it shouldn't be something that discourages people from trying yoga because the teacher will also typically use the English version for the name of the pose as well. So you don't feel like you have to learn Sanskrit in order to participate in a yoga class. Yes, exactly. Um, in uh, the States, in a well-rounded yoga class, if they're a Sanskrit nerd like I am, <laughs> they absolutely should be using the English term as well. Um, uh, Sanskrit terms for each pose, uh, for exa example, um, Adho Mukha Svanasan. Every pose you'll notice ends in asan or asana. Um, mm -hmm. The A is actually silent, so Shavasana is actually pronouncing, uh, pronounced Shavasan. So oh. all poses end in asana. Asana means pose. So, uh, for example, Garudasan, Garudasana. Garu, Garuda means eagle, hmm. and asana means pose. So Garudasana or Garudasan 
without the A at the end because it's always silent means eagle pose. So most poses have a um, prefix, which is the name of the, the pose. If it's in, like after an animal, it's the name of the animal. And then asan at the end, which just means pose simply. Interesting. Yes, I like that. I did not even, after all these years, realize, right, asana, <laughs> asana is the mm -hmm. word. Okay. Yes, so, but most teachers in, in um, the West, I've noticed, they do pronounce the, the A at the end. Um, yeah. I had to actually unlearn what I learned. And after I came back from my training in India, uh, started to pronounce the uh, names of the poses uh, the correct way without the A at the end. Interesting. Okay. So uh, our next slide is what to bring to a yoga class. And these are just some general, uh, um, a general list, a yoga mat, uh, comfortable clothing, water bottle, towel, props. If uh, uh, some studios provide them, I know the one I went to, they had blankets and straps and bolsters, you know, that you would just borrow. Uh, a towel, um, put up your hair, and some studios have lockers because typically when you come in, you take off your shoes before you actually go into the studio. Uh, there are there any, uh, actually the picture on the left of that yoga studio is where I used to practice in Damascus, Maryland. Um, I love that studio. But anyway, uh, Vicki, are there any items or anything you want to uh, enhance about what's listed here or add to it? Absolutely. I have to laugh because <laughs> yoga, modern day yoga is so fancy. Um, if you think about it, if you think about it, thousands of years ago when yoga was first developed, we, they did not have even a mat, a yoga mat. So the hardcore yogis in India, they won't even use anything. They'll just use the dirt road or, you know, be sitting in the forest with no yoga mat. So yes, this it, you can have all of these things, but they are absolutely not necessary. So when I take on new clients and we talk about equipment or props, I tell them, you don't really need anything actually <laughs> to start. <laughs> you know, you don't need the fancy equipment. You don't need the fancy $100 yoga mat. You don't need the fancy yoga gear, really. That's all like such a modern day thing. You just need a comfortable place to sit, to, to just start. Yes. But, but if you want to talk about basics, <laughs> I do, I do suggest to my clients to have a mat and there are a million thousand different types of mats out there on the market. Um, you can get the really fancy mats for like over a hundred dollars, or you can get like a really cheap one at five below for like $5. Yeah. You just need something, you know, to sit on. Um, mats come in different thicknesses as well. If you have knee issues, I highly recommend the thicker, squishier mats. They'll feel really nice and gentle on your knees. Um, and I suggest my clients to have a set of yoga blocks, foam, light foam yoga blocks and a yoga strap. And you can find this uh, offered as a set on Amazon. You can find a yoga block and strap set sold all together. And why do I highly suggest this in my sessions? Props can be very useful. 
I know that back in the day when I started my yoga journey about 20 years ago, that my ego was in the way. And I said, oh, I don't need props. I'm flexible. I don't need any help with props. Well, uh, along the way, I discovered that they can be very helpful um, because they support you in your practice. So they're, uh, for people who are starting yoga and who are beginners and who are not quite as flexible as they'd like to be, blocks make your arms longer. Blocks bring the floor closer to you. Blocks can be placed underneath the hips as support so that you can relax deeper into a pose. Mm -hmm. um, and what is a yoga strap used for? Um, I can say the number one thing that I use a yoga strap for with my clients is what's called shoulder flossing, which is one of the most beneficial exercises you can do to open up the shoulders and work on the mobility of the shoulders and to also relieve stress and tension in the head, neck, and shoulder regions. Wonderful. I can't wait to take a class. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those are, and Vicki is right. You, 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 do, you know, wear what's comfortable. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a, an outfit that, you know, is all matchy matchy and all cute. Make sure you're comfortable. Make sure you have a mat that suits you. Uh, you mentioned knees. I have bad knees. So I always, my mat's a little thicker and I always put a towel under my knees when I'm on my knees. So, um, but maybe if I lose some weight, that won't be a problem. <laughs> uh, so moving on, these are some tips uh, for beginners. Um, we'll just go over those kind of quickly, you know, start slowly. It takes time. Don't beat yourself up. Begin with a beginner class, maybe watch some videos. Um, you can explore all different styles and find out, you know, what works best for you. And I think most yoga uh, yogis and teachers have always stressed, listen to your body. Um, it's really important. Uh, don't push yourself to the pain, uh, point of pain. And as Vicki mentioned, props, you know, can really be beneficial uh, for alignment and um, when you're just starting out. Uh, we have two more slides that address some other tips. Do, Vicki, do you have any comments on these four tips that you'd like to add other than what you've already told us about the props? Um, I could definitely speak for days on each one, but <laughs> typically uh, when you first start out, um, your instructor will definitely emphasize to honor your body to listen to your body, to not overdo and don't push your limits. Um, yoga is to be practiced with sthita and sukha. Speaking of Sanskrit terms, sthita and sukha is uh, one of the basic principles of yoga. It, yoga is to be practiced with steadiness and ease. And that's mm -hmm. what sthita and sukha means. Practice with steadiness and ease. Can you have a smile on your face? for each pose. And that's a good measure to go by actually when you're in a challenging pose. Are you overdoing it or are you able to smile when you're in the pose? I love that. I never heard that, I, but that is a great tool to think about when you're doing something. That's awesome. Yes. We're programmed so much, especially in the Western world to push 
uh, no pain, no gain, right? Mm. To overachieve. But the, that goes against the grain of the basic principles of yoga. And so that's another benefit of yoga is that it gets you to um, honor yourself and uh, not have to push, um, mm -hmm. which there's a time and a place for that in life, right? But not on the yoga mat. Right. And then four more listed on this slide, just focusing on breath, practicing regularly, finding a qualified instructor and creating a comfortable space. Um, and I think they're fairly self-explanatory, but I like what Vicki just said about practicing regularly. You know, it's not a race. Um, it's a steady, slow progression. Um, and don't try to force yourself to do you know, poses that are not uh, healthy for your body or your mind. Um, and then we have four more tips about warming up, respecting your limits, practicing mindfulness, and staying hydrated. Um, I guess in particular, uh, you know, what does practicing mindfulness mean, Vicki? Sure. So there, mindfulness is such a buzzword in mm -hmm. modern day life, right? But what is that? really mean. And so being mindful, in my opinion, um, in, in my experience, is about slowing down. It's about being in the present moment. Mm. Right? So depression is based on past experiences and dwelling on past experiences. Anxiety is worry about the unforeseeable future. And so being present in the here and now is typically the safest place to be. Mm. All is present, all is safe in the present moment. And that's what I remind my clients often. Um, it's called monkey brain. When mm. you find yourself trying to focus on something and you're inundated by thoughts, uh, the to-do list, mm. um, everything that I've got to do outside of this present moment. And so mindfulness in meditation at its most basic is noticing those racing thoughts or so-called monkey mind and just continuing to come back to your breath, which is your tool and your guide to come back to the present moment over and over and over again. And so the more we practice this on the mat in yoga sessions, the more it will translate into your busy and stressful life. You worded that, you explained that beautifully because that's what I was thinking. It's not just about while you're practicing yoga. If you can learn to do that on the mat, hopefully you can carry that to your everyday life because we're all, like you said, so stressed, so busy and your clients are all busy executives and, and, you know, but so if you can take the time to practice mindfulness outside of that, you know, I think you'd have a much more peaceful <laughs> and quieter life. Shut that brain off yes. for a minute. <laughs> yes. Real yoga is in real life. Yeah. So these are just some specialty yoga classes. As Vicki said, it's, you know, become very westernized and very, you know, uh, popular. But I do, I kind of like that it does cater to different people. Um, 
right here in my community, we have several different types of yoga offered. And one is this Connected Warriors. And uh, it's a Vietnam veteran who was certified by the Connected Warrior Program. And he offers a practice for first responders and veterans. And it's a very popular class. Uh, I think they have camaraderie, you know, in addition you know, and shared experiences in addition to, you know, practicing yoga. So I thought that was um, really a, an important type of yoga for those people who, you know, need that connection. And I think he's doing a fabulous job. And then I also want to mention, I've always wanted to try aerial yoga. I know that sounds crazy, but you're flying through the air, you know, on... <laughs> And there's just all kinds. Chair yoga for people who have limited mobility. I think that's wonderful that a class like that is offered. We also have that here. And then for, you know, women who are pregnant or have a kid, uh, you know, after they've had the child, kids yoga. I know our studio used to have like a neon yoga class for little kids. They loved it. Um, so there's a lot of options available um, for you know, meeting your needs and for various age groups and fitness levels and life stages. Uh, anything you'd care to add, Vicki? Sure. So this slide is um, in addition to one of the previous slides, which addresses the many different styles of yoga. Um, I just highly recommend for anybody who's beginning their yoga journey or who wants to um, try something new and different that you have so many different options. And if something doesn't work for you, if a particular style doesn't work for you, there are so many other styles of yoga to choose from that might suit you and where you're in your life currently. So I encourage you to keep trying because um, there's a reason why yoga is known to be so beneficial and you just have to find what works for you. Absolutely. And then uh, these, this is just a quick uh, yoga instructor credentials. And we put the slide here because often you'll see that when you're, you know, researching a studio or whatever, and it'll say somebody has YRT 200 or whatever. You know, don't get bogged down on this. This is just uh, some people get credentialed, just like Mitchell was saying earlier, you know. There are print shops. Uh, we have all have a printing. The three of us have a printing background. You know, there are all kinds of certifications. You know, we didn't necessarily have those. We just were going to print your job. So don't get bogged down by certifications. But there are people who do go through the Yoga Alliance and do obtain these uh, specialized certifications uh, if they choose to do so. And then this is about online and home yoga. So there are people who maybe don't have time to leave their home. They want to, they can only do a practice at, late at night after the kids are in bed or any number of reasons. So there are options to uh, uh, practice yoga online and at home. I mean, personally, I like the experience of being uh, around other people and having the instructor there to follow. But this is these are certainly um, options that you can take advantage of. I've done a couple and, and they're fine. It, you know, I just like the um, personal experience of being there. But any comments from you, uh, Vicki, about these uh, platforms and apps? Uh, yes. So practicing in the convenience of your own home is just that. It is super convenient. You can do it at any time that suits your schedule. You don't have to leave. Um, for some people who 
are turned off by the idea of having to pack everything up, get into a car, drive to the studio, which takes up extra time. Um, this can be really beneficial for them. Um, you can tune into any of the multitude of apps that exist now that offers yoga or even YouTube. Um, and you can also find uh, practitioners who teach virtually, um, such as myself. Mm -hmm. So this, I'd like to highlight at this point that um, if you're a beginner and you're daunted by attending a group class mm -hmm. uh, and you're intimidated, one of the best things that you can do is to find a private yoga instructor to work with one-on-one -on -one in the beginning of your journey, whether it's online or in person. Um, why? Because you get that priceless, individualized, tailored, and personal one-to-one -one attention. All of the attention is on you. And so the big difference between one-to-one -one instruction and being in a group class is that you get focused attention on your alignment. Um, you get cues on, are you breathing or not? You know, uh, all eyes are on you. And whereas in a group class, the instructor may be able to get to you or they may not. They mm -hmm. have to teach many individuals and teach in a broader um, way. But when it's just one-to-one, -one, again, it's like yoga as it was originally intended. It was to be practiced by a practitioner or client. And so you have this very intimate um, connection to the person that you're working with. You can really tune in to where they're at on that particular day in their mind, in their body, and in their spirit. And so I tailor each session to my client and where they're at on that particular day. Well, your, your clients are very lucky to have you do that because you're right, in a group class, you know, you've, you've got all different levels of people. So it's very hard for an instructor to give individualized attention uh, to each person. So your clients are very lucky. <laughs> Okay, so now we're going to talk about meditation and yoga because they are very closely affiliated um, and it's kind of a fundamental component of a yoga practice. Um, uh, I know there are certain yoga, I don't know what you would call it. What is yoga nidra called? Is that a practice? Is that a style? But for instance, that whole class is a guided meditation by the instructor that's fabulous. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how meditation and yoga are intertwined, Vicki? Oh, they're inextricably linked. Um, you can't have one without the other. And I'd like to share with you and the audience the, uh, a fact that many people do not know about yoga. Did you know that the original intention for yoga, the number one reason why yoga was developed was to prepare the mind, body, and spirit to sit in long periods of meditation? No, I did not know that. Yes. So that was the reason why it was developed in the first place. Hmm. Um, imagine, imagine. So a lot of, so there are so many people out there who want to get on the meditation bandwagon because they've heard about the tremendous benefits. But so many people say, I suck at meditation. I tried and I failed. 
Why? Because not a lot of people prepare you, even these fancy meditation apps, they don't prepare your body to sit in stillness for long periods of time. Mm. So what are these poses for? What is this breath for? It's to clear out the, the energy, the energy channels, the extra energy, so that you can calm yourself down, calm the mind, the body, and spirit to work out the kinks and the stiffness and the tension in your, in your body so that you can sit without those distractions for long mm -hmm. periods of time in meditation. That makes perfect sense. I didn't, I did, but I never even considered that. <laughs> yes. And it can be hard sometimes. I know uh, I have been in uh, practices where we're in a guided meditation and there have been people who fell asleep. <laughs> and that's not the objective. <laughs> the objective is not to fall asleep, it is to remain present. Um, and then other times you find yourself, you know, your mind wandering, <laughs> and then you have to catch yourself, you know, and bring your mind back, you know. So it's a really interesting practice and it's it really is beneficial. Yeah, for me personally, um, in terms of a meditation technique, uh, especially for a more difficult pose. Uh, I, you know, I would concentrate uh, solely on holding that pose. So now, because I'm concentrating on just one thing, all the other thoughts are kind of disappearing. I'm just focused on that one pose. Um, yes. But as my body becomes comfortable in that pose, I lose that one thing I'm concentrating on. And that's, that's why I'm you always... Yes. So you come back to the breath. That yeah. is your tool and your guide to come back to the present moment over and over and over again. Yes. I totally agree. So people who, who do have trouble meditating without yoga, uh, try it with yoga. <laughs> it, it'll help give you that soul thought uh, to go with your breath. Um, and hopefully you yes. can find that empty space. Good advice. And finally, just an overview about meditation and yoga. As Vicki said, they're seamlessly integrated and um, they work hand in hand and to create a holistic approach to uh, well-being. So give it a try. Uh, now we're going to talk a little bit about chakras. And again, we don't want to get overwhelmed with uh, terminology and um get anyone intimidated by the use of these terms, but it is, um, chakra comes from the Sanskrit word for wheel, I'm reading this, and chakras are often described as spinning wheels or vortexes of energy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know much about chakras, so I don't have anything to contribute other than what I just read. <laughs> I've heard them talked about in a yoga class where, you know, um, the instructor will say like to concentrate on a particular area of your body uh, because that's what the chakras are, right, Vicki? They go down the length of your body. But other than that, um, <laughs> I don't know a lot about it other than trying to focus when I'm <laughs> in a practice. So when we're talking about chakras, we're talking about yoga on deeper levels. So there are so many layers to the practice. And so if you want to get um, to more deeper layer, and we're talking about yoga on an energetic level. Mm. So these, these are energy centers in the body. And 
this is not talked about or discussed much in uh, a yoga class in the West, but in India, um, it's talked about very often because what is one of the reasons why breath is so emphasized on in yoga? The breath circulates throughout your body to clear blockages in these energy centers of your body. So let's take the heart chakra, the anahata chakra, for example. If you're somebody that has experienced a lot of heartbreak in your life, particularly in childhood, you know, people who had tumultuous childhoods, um, you know, abusive childhoods, physical violence, verbal abuse, um, this is ingrained and stored in your body for life unless you address it and so a lot of trauma is held in the heart chakra so if i know this about a client and i know that they've been through a lot having to do with the heart chakra and they have a lot of blockages i would work with them on a lot of poses that open and mm -hmm. unblock this chakra so that the energy can clear and run and flow freely through the body, in the body and out of the body so that they can be in a state to not only give love, but also receive love. And, um, and this is one of the ways that you can heal on a deeper level through the mm -hmm. practice of yoga. That's very interesting. I mean, you know, it can be part of a regular yoga practice, but I like what you said about your one-on-one -on -one experiences. Like when you know a client personally and you know needs that, you know, need to be addressed and you can, you know, figure out how to uh, release that negative energy. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And uh, one way I like to look to try to understand chakras is that, you know, Everything where we're all energy, we have energy flowing. Um, so this represents the flow of energy. And kind of like a river or other things in nature, when you have a river flowing, sometimes you have a whirlpool that will form at certain spots. It doesn't always form, but it can form there. And that is that extra energy getting stuck. So yes. these are the places in our body where whirlpools can form in energy. And they can become bigger, they can become smaller, and it disrupts the flow. Also, like Vicky said, if you can clear up whatever's causing the whirlpool, then you have a better flow through that chakra. Um, but yes. each chakra stands on its own. Thank you both for that nice explanation. Um, and so chakras and yoga, uh, they, as Vicky said, they're uh, practiced uh, in yoga to explore and balance the energy centers in your body. Um, and these are some of the ways uh, that they are utilized. Um, Vicki, do you want me to just read the, the titles or should we go over them? I mean, it says intention setting, poses, breath work, visualization, mantras and affirmations, meditation, chakra specific practices like you were just talking about, and the holistic approach um, to balance the entire energy system. Um, I don't know, do we need to just discuss this any further or have we kind of covered it um those that was a really great overview um i would just like to add that 
uh, what a lot of people don't know is that, um, again, yoga is healing on a deeper level, on a cellular level and on a subconscious level. Um, mm. And energet energetically speaking, um, we are energy, as Mitchell said. And um, what a lot of people don't know is that you're working to clear your mind, body and spirit on an energetic level, mm. which is a deeper level than just on a physical level. Yeah, so as you'll see in most of these explanations, uh, it talks about energy. Um, you'll see energy channels and uh, enhancing energy, aligning and balancing energy cent uh, centers. So that's what some of these uh, things are all about, intention setting and breath work. Uh, visualization and meditation so it's all about energy and uh, promoting well-being and enhancing spiritual growth so i guess in conclusion we, we would just like to encourage anyone you know who hasn't uh practiced before or is interested in uh we just want to say don't let some of this you know, stuff we've talked about, Sanskrit and chakras and seeing these crazy poses on, uh, you know, the internet. Uh, don't let that discourage you from trying it uh, because there are so many benefits and uh, we would encourage everyone to give it a try uh, for both, for not both, three things, mind, spirit, and body. <laughs> it can improve flexibility, stress relief, better sleep, um, better posture and body awareness um, and an overall improvement of mental health and quality of life. And I can certainly attest to that. Um, anything else you would like to add in conclusion, uh, Vicki, uh, to our listeners? Yes. If you are curious about yoga out of the blue, that means you hear the call and that means you're ready for yoga to come into your life for a reason. So I encourage anybody who hears that call to explore. And again, um, do your research. And uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Oh, yes. <laughs> Alan Mitchell, do you have anything to add uh, as we conclude our uh, podcast? Yeah, on I feel like I learned a lot today. Uh, thank you, Vicki. You know, I, I actually feel motivated to go out and start yoga. So. <laughs> Good podcast. Okay, so uh, we just also wanted to mention that um, Pay It Forward and uh, Vicki are uh, hoping to work together in the very near future uh, on an initiative that uh, Vicki has envisioned. And uh, Vicki, you want to just give us a quick overview of the project? Um, we'll have more information at in a later date, but um, the young man you see in uh, two of these pictures is uh, Lucas Sakaya, and uh, we're looking to help this young man in his yoga practice and other initiatives. Yes, so it's an honor and a privilege to be able to work with Pay It Forward as the program director uh, of what's called Legacy Army. Um, which I hope to establish as an army of people who want to build sustainable wellness across the globe and uh, create legacy, wellness legacy across generations. 
And so this would be our first project to kick this um, initiative off. Uh, Lucas is uh, a, a Maasai entrepreneur who lives in Arusha, Tanzania. And he had wonderful opportunities um, presented to him um, in the world of yoga. And so he has three certifications uh, to teach yoga as well as meditation. And he has dreams and goals of building a yoga shala, which is a yoga center, and a hostel um, or accommodations for people to stay at when they uh, travel to this destination for yoga retreats. Um, he has a cultural center that he's been building for the last five years with any and all um, funds that he has earned through teaching yoga in his village. And so I would just like to help him make his dream a reality. Um, his vision aligns with my own as well as pay it forward. Um, he wants to empower people, specifically the women in his village, children, um, and give them opportunities. Uh, and he wants to share the wealth of knowledge and the practice of yoga with um, not just people in his village, but to people from all over the world who come there to learn about his culture. Well, we're also very excited about this. And as I said, we are still, you know, in the planning stages, but we hope to have uh, more information and details soon. So for our audience, be on the lookout for future podcasts and, and information from Pay It Forward and from Vicki regarding this project. And then uh, this is just a gallery of photos that hopefully will inspire all of us to uh, get back to our yoga practice or begin one. And also, um, this is just uh, some of the other podcasts that are available uh, from Pay It Forward on Spotify, Google, YouTube, and Dystopia. Um, we have uh, um, a longevity. Uh, we have uh, dealing with frustration. We have memory loss. Um, we also have a Baltimore beautification project. Many things. There are a myriad of topics discussed, so we hope you'll check us out. And you can support us on Patreon. Uh, you can go to our website, payitforwardonline.org. And you can um, follow us on Facebook, either our page, or we also have a community group. So feel free to check us out. And uh, Vicki, do you have any uh, social media or sites you would like to share with our uh, audience? I do. I'm on Instagram uh, as well as TikTok. Um, I have a Facebook page and a LinkedIn as well. Um, I don't know if you have a way to click on a link um, so you can check out my bio and my website and get in touch with me. Um, I'd also like to just thank you all for having me on this podcast today, but also say that it sounds like Sherry, Mitch, and Alan, if you're overdue to uh, have a session with me. Um, <laughs> so I'd, <laughs> I'd like to extend the offer to you and to all our listeners for a free 30 minute session with me online. Um, just to get a sense of everything that we talked about today. Um, so if there's anybody who's curious to embark on the yoga, journey of yoga, um, you can get in touch with me to set that up. That is so generous yeah. of you. Thank you. 
so as we uh, conclude, we'll say, uh, we, as we mentioned before, yoga is a lifelong journey and um, you know, should embrace the process and celebrate your small achievements. And uh, as they say at the end of a yoga practice, put your hands together, right, Vicki, over your heart and say, namaste. <laughs> so thank you. All. Namaste. Yes. And thank you, Vicki. Your, uh, your insights were invaluable. We really appreciate it. Okay, so as I always say, until next time, keep paying it forward. Bye-bye.